I'm your host, Laura Lowen, former therapist, go-getter entrepreneur, future church planter, and throwback hip-hop lover. I want to help you implement practical steps on how to live out the abundant life. Listen in on stories of faith, hope, and inspiration as we pursue the abundant, fruitful life together. If you're ready to get cracking on personal and spiritual growth and have some fun while doing so, you're in the right place. Hey, hey, friends. All right, we've got episode number nine coming at you today. I am talking to my friend, Mark Dykema. So Mark and I actually went to Hope College together. He married one of my good friends, and he is just such a wonderful person. He has such a bubbly, contagious spirit about him, and he is incredibly successful in his business. He owns a coffee franchise and has endured some storms, but has really leaned on the Lord through it all. So I think you guys are just going to love hearing from him and his advice about starting a business, continuing on with the business, and what it looks like to really live out your faith in those different seasons. Well, welcome, Mark. Thank you for being on this and just taking a chance here, doing a podcast with your old friend, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> Living the dream. Living the dream on the fruitful life. So the way that I probably remember you the best is you dated and are now married to one of my college roommates. And it was so fun with Jen. I remember when we were in the dorms and I remember when you guys like just started dating and she was so giddy and so excited. I hope Jen isn't going to kill me, by the way. For she sure. doesn't listen to podcasts. Oh, good. Okay. So we're, yeah, we're totally good. fine. <laughs> Poor Jen. She, does, uh, she doesn't listen to mine, though, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I bet you she would listen to yours, though. Oh, so. my gosh. So anyways, <laughs> I remember her being so gushy and like, yeah, I met this guy, Mark. And, of course, I was like, well, does he love Jesus? And she's like, oh, my gosh, he does. And, and then also playing the bass in the gospel choir that we were both yeah. part of. So yeah. that was super duper fun. But I would say mainly when I think of you, I actually remember you coming to visit Jen at our apartment and yep. you guys having dinner together every night and just every time I was around you just laughing my tush off. And then another thing was just really thinking about you as someone who was very business minded. And even though In college, I had no clue what that meant, but I remember just being like, Mark is very business-minded. He's kind of like business savvy, you know? I just think that that's so funny because in college, I seriously had no clue about what it meant to be an entrepreneur, marketing, business, anything. And I just love what you've done with your life and for your family. So I was hoping if you could just kind of share with us the business that you're in, what you do, and maybe a little bit of how you got started. Yeah. So my mom, I can specifically remember this. My mom and I were driving. We're, we're, I was in the third grade probably at this point, third, fourth grade. I had started working for her boss. I was doing some landscaping stuff. So was 
odds and ends here. So, so oh, like child labor? Commercial real estate. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, laws were a little bit different back then, but right. my, my dad would wake me up and take me to work all summer long. Um, by the by, the sixth grade, I was probably doing about 60 hours a week uh, <laughs> in, in labor, but I paid for oh. Hope College mostly in cash. So, Mark, I did not know this about you. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, and, and what was interesting was, so my mom, I remember having a conversation and my mom just sort of saying, you know, what do you want to do? And, and, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? When you, when you picture yourself, do you, do you think you're going to be wearing a shirt and a tie? And, mm-hmm. or do you think you're going to wear jeans to work? You know, like what, that kind of thing. Right. And interestingly enough, her, her boss at the time, um, his son had started a, a landscaping business when he was probably in middle school and, you know, fast forward 15 years and he's got 25 employees. He's got crews that are working all over West Michigan kind of thing. And this, this is a little business that started in middle school. Right. And he actually, he and his then fiance broke up because she wanted him to get a shirt and tie job. Hmm. He's like, why? I love, I love what I do, you know? So that was, I think the, like the early seed of, you know, like anybody can just start a business. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing, there's nothing that really is stopping anybody from starting a business. Right. And my dad has worked for the same employer for 42 years. Now he's very loyal. And if, if you're an Enneagram expert, he's an Enneagram six. Mm-hmm. And so he would take me into work and that business started with two guys who, who thought, Hey, we can sell truck parts and make and make a living at selling truck parts. And he was their first employee beyond the two of them. And now that business is just doing millions of dollars in sales a year. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, it was just sort of this like, wait, anybody can just, you know, kind of start something. And then I think it was really, really ingrained at hope when I started taking business management courses and was sort of part of a early stage, like entrepreneur kind of program. Mm -hmm. When that, I think that seed finally actually bloomed and it was like, you know what you, it's not that you don't respect people that you work for, but you just don't like to work for somebody else. Yeah, you know, I get like, that. And I, I sort of realized that I had, I loved the thrill of not, you know, living paycheck to paycheck sounds irresponsible, especially now that we have four children, <laughs> but I love the, I love the thrill of, I have this crazy idea marketing wise or whatever it might be. It might work. It might not. Mm-hmm. But I, I love taking responsibility for it either way, you know? Yeah. And I loved the learning aspect of you learn a lot more through failure than you do through success. Mm-hmm. But I loved the learning aspect of learning through failure. This didn't work. This did, you know, that kind of thing. And so coming out of college, uh, Jen's dad at the time was an insurance agent. So I was sort of talked into becoming an insurance agent and I started my own micro agency. I was basically a subcontractor for an insurance agency, mm-hmm. the shirt and tie, the whole deal. And I did not like it one bit. I started to realize that I wanted to be in a, in a different game than I didn't want to sell something that people were legally required to have, if they were going <laughs> to drive a vehicle on the road. Right. right. I want, I wanted to sell something that people wanted to buy. Right. It's a lot. It's a lot more fun to convince somebody to come and buy something that they want, mm-hmm. but don't necessarily need, versus something that they need but don't necessarily want. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, even though the money is arguably better in insurance, uh, it's it's a lot more fun on the other side of the on the other side of the coin. So, uh, so I started having a conversation with my parents about being partners with me in a franchise concept called Big B Coffee 
which you're in Michigan, right? I sure so, am. Flint represent. That's right. So, so Big B Coffee is a, it's a Michigan-based franchise coffee concept. We've got about 250 stores in mostly in Michigan. We've got several in Ohio, a lot sort of surrounding um, the states around Michigan, and then a few uh, one-offs in Florida, Texas, South Carolina. So we've got a few that are, are kind of in, in random states, but mostly Ohio and Michigan is where our largest presence is. Mm-hmm. And so, so we started looking at that concept, and I loved the autonomy that was present, you know, after you, after you work hard to get the party started. <laughs> right. Um, and then I loved the, the cultural values. The cultural values are be happy, have fun, make friends, love people, and then drink great coffee. When you look at the culture that we're trying to emanate, that we're trying to let be certainly inside our stores, but go out into the world as that culture, only 20% of it has to do with what we're selling. Right. Right. Yeah. What we're actually collecting money for, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other 80% has to do with who we are and what we believe and how we want to influence. You right. know? I love, so, I love the way that you said that what we're actually collecting money for, because right. you are 110%. You are selling yourself, the experience, the come Absolutely. have a friendly chat while you get your cup of coffee, like Absolutely. have your day made by this awesome person at the counter. So I just love that. Yeah. So they presented this. So we would go to a, a thing called Discovery Day, right? Where you go and you look at the franchise opportunity. Okay. And my mom and I are there and they're presenting all sorts of things, you know, and they're presenting all the numbers and, and how you can make this work and, and, you know, how you could feed your family doing this basically. So right? Mark, were you 19, 20, like how old were I you? Was, I was, at this point I was 26. Oh, you were 26 so, at this yeah. point. That's right. Cause you yeah. did insurance. Okay. Yep. Tracking. So, got so it. I, yep. had done, I had done five years of insurance. Um, years. I had done, and part of that too, I had also done um, five years of insurance, four years of a company called Bag Boys, which was potentially illegal. Um, <laughs> but we, we painted, uh, we sold and painted cornhole boards, the beanbag toss game. Oh, right. We custom painted whatever logo you wanted on there. So I, there I remember that. Unlicensed, unlicensed logos that got painted on two pieces <laughs> of plywood. That's amazing. But yeah, so we, so we did do that. A buddy of mine and I did do that. And that was a really fun one because again, that's, and I think that's where I got my taste of here I am by day selling something that people need and don't want. Mm-hmm. And by night I'm selling something that people want and don't need. Mm-hmm. And I sure love doing what I was doing at night a lot more than what I was doing by day. Yeah. So that, that helped a lot. So I was, I was doing that, you know, we weren't paying taxes on that or anything like that. And I mean, in our final summer, to give you an idea, our first summer that we did it, it was just kind of sort of a spoof. We, I had some extra plywood from my grandfather. Um, so he and I built, built these boards. We painted them up Hope College themed, figured we could get away with that since we still owed Hope College a lot of money. Yeah. Um, right. And, and then, and, and loved it. So he wanted to paint a set for his buddy for his wedding. Um, wanted to do a U of M theme. So we painted those up. We took pictures of our boards. Cause when you buy a, a sheet of plywood, you get enough to make a full, you make it get enough to make four boards or two sets of these, of these, of the game. You yeah. Know? Uh-huh. And so we had this extra set and we're like, well, what are we going to do with it? And we're like, well, let's sell that, use that to offset the cost of making this other one that we, you know, that we, that we painted for the, for the wedding gift. And so, uh, we loaded up on Craigslist. We showed pictures of, uh, the Michigan one and then the two Hope College ones. And then we sold three sets that night. So, 
here we were all of a sudden in business. And by the end of that summer, I think we had sold 20 some uh, sets. Mm-hmm. And so then the next summer we decided to ramp it up a little bit. I think we did 60. The next summer we did like a hundred some. Wow. Um, and by the final summer, we, I was buying a pallet of plywood at a time and we would build them all at once. We would paint as much as we could of all the same logos all at once and all this other stuff. And I had eight sewing machines. We had all these crazy systems in place and I was buying corn by the pickle barrel full. So I was getting about 700 pounds of corn uh, rather than buying a, a bag from the feed store for, you know, with 50 pounds in it kind of thing. So I was just learning all these interesting economies at a very low risk business. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think the enjoyment my parents saw out of that and how I was willing to really grind it out. Cause I mean, I was doing insurance all day and then I would, I would be up till two in the morning painting boards or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And I, so I think my parents seeing that it made them feel comfortable, you know, knowing, Hey, we can invest. It's not like it's cheap to just, you know, you don't, you don't just say, Hey, I want to open up a big B coffee. Here's 20 bucks. Let's open one. You know, that kind <laughs> right. of thing. Right. So just and, for, for anyone listening, and I know I could find this on Google too, but how much is it to open up a big B? Average cost is about $250,000. Okay. And do you need to have that all up front? No, I mean, you can, you can get a loan. So, right. so 70, they, they encourage you to have about $70,000. It kind of depends on where you can get a banker and, and you know, what kind of deal you're willing to sort of structure and set up. But right. But still, yeah, I mean, that's $70,000. So yeah, that's, that's someone's income for the year. Like right. easy. Absolutely. So yeah, for sure. Right. Crazy. So, you know, thankfully my parents are both accountants on the global map. They're wealthy, right? Of course, mm-hmm. you know, right. you and I are wealthy and we don't have two pennies to scratch together necessarily. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but on, on a global map, but, but within the United States, my parents are not wealthy. They've just been steadfast mm-hmm. savers and been setting aside a little bit of money. And my parents started doing this when I was my kid's age. So it's that, that investment that's, I think, made the difference in my, in the richness of my kids' lives is that my parents have been willing to save for a long time, not knowing even why necessarily, right? Besides, you know, it's a good habit, I suppose. Right. And then when we were presented with this opportunity, they saw the fit that it was because I'm a happy, you know, I'm a be happy, have fun, make friends, love people kind of guy. And I love coffee. So, you know, that all worked out really well. It's been, it's been fun being able to sort of reap the benefits of their faithful sewing, Mm. you know? They're awesome people. So yeah, I love that you've been able to do that with your parents. And now how many franchises do you have now? We just opened our fourth store um, three months ago. Which is incredible. Like, I just want yeah. you to know, like, every time I see that you guys are getting ready or opening up one, I almost, I'm like, I'm getting emotional right now. Like, I am just so proud of you and your family, and I'm so happy for you guys. It's just amazing. Okay, so for anyone who lives in Michigan and or is going to visit Michigan, tell us where the locations are. So I've got three locations that are a Holland address on the on the mailing on the zip codes and then I've got one location in Zealand which is the town right to the east of Holland. Yeah. So if anyone is looking for a beautiful summer beach vacation, go get yourself some coffee at Big B in Holland. Got a location that's conveniently on your way to the beach. Too. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yes. 
That'll be awesome. Yeah. Was there ever any fear for you going into opening up your second franchise and then your third? Or was it like, I've done this, we can do it again? You know, it's, that's interesting. So so my fear, my biggest fear, I think my most fearful moment was day one. We've been working for this for six months, under construction, training, everything like that, right? And I and I run everything. I, I, I run the whole show. Uh, my dad comes in in the morning and gets a cup of coffee, and then he goes to his job that he's had for 42 years. I love it. And my mom does our bookkeeping, but she still has her part-time job that she's she's had for the last 10 years now. Mm-hmm. So, so she comes in and she helps with deposits and stuff like that. But otherwise, as far as making decisions and everything like that, on the day-to-day, on who's hired, who's fired, everything like that, that all falls on me. Mm-hmm. And I remember day one, you know, I'm there at 530 in the morning. We brew the coffee, everything like that. The electrician who helped put together store one comes in. He was my first cash bank customer. You know, we take a picture, all this other stuff, and that's like 545 in the morning. And then nobody, crickets, right? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not in places at 545 in the morning. Uh-huh. You know? But, right. but, you know, you get so wrapped up in, in everything like that, that I, I just thought, well, this is it. This is, you know, how I drove both me and my parents to bankruptcy, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, right? I mean, come 6.30, the doors were just, you know, that bell was dinging all the mm-hmm. time. And we had our drive through and, you know, it was just busy, busy, busy. So we've been really, really fortunate. You know, most people don't experience profitability for at least a year, if not more, you know, Mm -hmm. in in these kind of businesses. And we were fortunate that right out of the gate, day one, we were we were up and running. And a lot of that has to do with the with the strength that of the brand in the Mm -hmm. West Michigan market that a lot of the other operators, particularly in Grand Rapids, had already developed the branding really well so that I could open it and people weren't walking in and thinking, oh, you know, it's your last name, Big B. Like, what's the right. story? You know, that <laughs> right. Kind of thing, right. Yeah. That, then everybody knew what it was, and they were just really grateful to have one finally near them. You know, that we were really fortunate, almost to the point of arrogance. So then we opened up store number two, and store number two is in a less premier location and a less prime location there. And we did not have the same experience, obviously, as opening store number one. And you know, I'm scratching my head and I'm like, man, you know, and, and that store now fortunately is, is doing okay. But it took probably two years before that one was really, it was like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to make it, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, you open up store number one and within the brand, you're sort of like, you're, you feel like you're wonder boy, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you're sort of told that, you know, in some, in a lot of ways, right. That, you know, this Dykema guy can do no wrong. We won right out of the gate. We won the West Michigan store of the year, which competed against at the time, like 50 stores. Mm-hmm. And then the second year in, we won the West Michigan store of the year and then went on to win the national, you know, arguably the national brand, the, mm-hmm. the whole entire brand store of the year, which is not anything to do with like any metrics. It just has to do with how passionately your customers vote for you. Yeah. And so, so that was pretty remarkable to win that. You know, without even being two years old, our second store hadn't even opened yet. So I sort of, it, I sort of felt a lot like a failure at that point. And then we opened our third location, and that's on the south side of Holland. Mm-hmm. And that one, that one took off really, really well. And that was probably after the first store was probably three and a half or so, mm-hmm. I think. The times get a little fuzzy on that one because my sister was also um, fighting leukemia at the time. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that 
what what was that like for you you know owning owning a business obviously at that time did you guys have three kids we had three yep you had three okay so yeah what what was that season like for you that was it was an interesting season we we had three kids our third store was two months away from opening when my older sister was diagnosed with leukemia mm-hmm. and um, acute myeloid leukemia, which is often referred to as AML. It's uh, it's of the leukemia lymphoma groupings. That's, that's the big one. That's the one you don't want them to say you have. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to, this was in February. I remember watching the Super Bowl in her hospital room. She found out and they were like, get here now. We need to start treating you. Right. And, and so I remember watching the Super Bowl there. Um, I just remember a lot of really fuzzy decisions being made um, with regard to opening the store. Just, you know, stuff that, that normally I could just snap my fingers and, and the decision is done. You know what I mean? I made it. We're, mm-hmm. we're, let's move on. You know, that kind of deal. It mm-hmm. was just, it was tough. I put a lot more on my employees than probably what I should have or what I would have if I, if I were in a, in a, in a, like an open, open mind space where I didn't have something like this emotionally bogging me down. Mm-hmm. We fast forward two months, we opened a store a week later. I've got a manager who is leaving me. I think she was going to get married or something like that at store one. I've got a manager who is leaving me for a new job at store two. And I've got a, manager who's a week old at store three right that we've been open and then my sister goes into ICU her heart stopped Mm -hmm. and goes into ICU and you know at that point selling coffee doesn't matter you know my sister my sister's heart stopped I've got other things to focus on and so there was a lot that you know obviously my sister's health was under attack but there was a lot on the business side that was under attack too And, and looking back on it now fast forward another year and my sister passed away in March of 2016. So that's been a couple years now, but there was a lot of all of us that were under attack, the stress of a business where I've got three brand new managers. I, you know, fortunately I had a whole system in place. So the next people were ready to sort of step up, Mm -hmm. but you know, I spent a month by my sister's side in ICU as much as I could. And I, you know, I was, I was in the hospital more than I was in my coffee shops. That's for sure. Yeah. I've got three new managers running the show. I don't have any regional manager at the time. The community of Holland was watching us. They knew, you know, what was going on with my sister. They, they knew, you know, Mr. Bigby, whether or not that's his last name, that's what I've become somewhat known as. And they knew there was a lot of people just watching. You know, mm-hmm. and so there was somewhat this pressure to keep it all together, especially in Dutchville, West Michigan. <laughs> you know, you know everything's okay, even when everything's not okay. There was a lot of that, right? But there was a lot of you could just tell there was there was just a lot under attack, and I feel really fortunate to have weathered that storm. I think mostly gracefully, it burned up a few of my employees because I put a lot of weight on them. I had to lean on them pretty hard. But then also out of that came some phenomenal staff that is still with me today that really rose to the occasion and have really shown 
that, hey, Mark, we got this. You know, we know what we're doing. So, so you can enjoy time with your family, you know, and that autonomy that was presented at the beginning of the franchise opportunity after a year, two years of really, really hard work that, you know, we're now we're, now we're laying hold of that. I went to the farmer's market this morning with Jen and our four kids, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing, right. That is like, I, you know, so awesome. I can, I can take advantage of that kind of stuff. I can record a podcast and, you know, there's still plenty of stuff. There's still plenty of, you know, I basically just say I, I'm the, I'm the mega clog toilet plunger at this point. That's, <laughs> I love it. That's kind of my, that's kind of my gig for the most part. You right. Know? Yep. But it's like, I, I've, I've got an awesome regional manager. He takes delight in handling a lot of the situations that were not fun for me. Mm-hmm. and I take delight in handling a lot of situations that he doesn't like, you know, so he's not, he doesn't like marketing. He doesn't like coming up with new gimmicks and plans and stuff like that. And I just love that kind of stuff, you yeah. know? So, so we're really fortunate that, that now this many years down the road that we have 60 employees and the the business is doing really, really well. So I'm really thankful that I know for you and it definitely seemed like for your parents, you know, that you guys were just really clinging to the Lord. And you said, I put, put too much weight on my employees, but I mean, I feel like given the situation, that's what you just have to do, right? Like you're, you're in survival mode. So I hope you don't, I hope you don't put too much guilt or anything like that on yourself about it. But I don't feel in, in everything with those employees, like, like I still see them today. Yeah. You know, they don't work for me. They work somewhere else. Right. right. But it, there's yeah. also that aspect of, you know, we turn, we turn over a lot of people and it's not because I'm a terrible boss or mm-hmm. this is a terrible work environment. Yeah. But, you know, at some point you can't tell your grandma, I still work at the coffee shop that I worked at when I was in college. You know? <laughs> right. No, that, and, that totally and, makes sense. And so there's a natural sort of, of secession, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Move on. Move yeah. On. You know, it's that thing that my pastor says, you know, sometimes you got to give up what you have to go up from where you are, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I love and, that. and that's, that's sort of our attitude, right? Is that it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to be your boss for forever. So while I am your boss, I want to empower you to be a leader, make mm-hmm. decisions on your own. You know, there's, there's a lot of things like that. And I think there was just a lot of, I don't, I don't feel guilty about it per se. I just know that they probably came to a end of working for me sooner than what they would have if all things were healthy. Right. But, but the other side of that too, is you look at us two years from Shannon passing away and what a testimony that is that we're still here. We're still kicking and we're smiling. We, we've, I'm out there working the crowd in the lobby, you know, all <laughs> the time. Right. right you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And, I always say I'm shaking babies and kissing hands. Um, well, yeah, you're you you're know. like you're like a politician, except yes, you're exactly. you're selling exactly. you're selling coffee and you're trying to I'm help getting, people. Getting coffee votes uh, rather than you know. Love yeah, it, I'm caramel or vanilla. People. I'm yep. a politician because I'm actually helping people, right? Yes. Um, and so, yeah, right. So, you know, but I'm out there, and I think that's a testimony that that a lot of our customers know our story. Mm-hmm. You know. And they're like, and here's this guy, he's still choosing joy, mm-hmm. right? And still smiling. And yeah, there was certainly a time of breathing and, and depression. And, and that lasted a long time. And I could sort of, I could find that switch and flip it. And I mm-hmm. could act happy-go-lucky easily enough for a certain amount of time. Now, I can do that without it being at the expense of 
also being a fun dad when I get home or mm-hmm. a kind husband, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, whereas the first few months after Shannon passing, that wasn't necessarily the case. Right. And I would say understandably so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would also say to any, any, anyone listening, if you have a sibling or parent or anything like that pass away, don't sell your house a month later and move and also have a child. I mean, I guess you can't necessarily control having a child um, <laughs> right. that timeline. But yeah, so yes. we had, so Shannon passed away mm. beginning of March. We sold our house by the end of March. And then we had our fourth early April. And wow. then we bought a house mid-May and we moved in June. And so that was too much. That was yeah. a lot of really stressful things. And the cracks were definitely showing uh, for me, in all aspects of life, I didn't feel like a great boss. I certainly wasn't a very kind husband. I was not a great father. But, you know, the Lord has helped me work through that, you know, and I got counseling help and stuff like that. So don't mm-hmm. also, if you're a West Michigander and, you know, you're in this proud Dutch heritage, don't be too afraid to admit that you got help from a counselor. Yeah. I, I think that's so good. I mean, I think that'll just really help a lot of people because I think sometimes people are almost looking for those permission slips to do the things that they feel like they need to do and know that they should do and for whatever reason, feel some shame around it. So I think it's just right. good when we can just be like, that's what I love to say. Like, if you need a permission slip, here it is. Here it is. Absolutely. Go yeah. do it. I try, to, I try to tell people as much as I can, like, yes, I went and got help. Because, mm-hmm. you know what, like, I guess I'm a happy person and I can find joy in almost every situation, mm-hmm. you know, but it wasn't easy for a long, long time. And yeah. I went and got help and talked yeah. through it mm-hmm. with a wise Christian counselor. So, yeah, I love that. It's just, it's so, so important. Well, kind of the last thing that I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up this interview here is I know there's a lot of people, uh, especially that I chat with on a day-to-day basis that, you know, they feel like they are an entrepreneur on some level or they want to be one. And like you were talking about earlier, you know, that desire to be your own boss, which is amazing and also super hard at the same time. So I guess for the people listening who are like, you know what, (laughs) I'm not happy in my job, like you, right? Doing insurance stuff, kind yep, of yep. grinding out. And I think a lot of us have been there and they they want to pivot and do something else, but they're, they're just not exactly sure what that looks like. What would kind of be your words of wisdom for them? Well, I think there's, there's so many opportunities to start small mm-hmm. and still keep your regular job. Yeah. You know, yeah, without it having, having it affect your, your regular nine to five, if you have a nine to five kind of thing yeah, that you can start small. I mean, Etsy, right. And all those sorts of things that you can fail small so that you can succeed big later. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm encouraging people to fail, but I'm, I think all too often you hear that failure is not an option hmm. when, when in fact it is right. Yep, sure and, is. And even if that's the only thing on the con side of the list, like it still needs to be there mm-hmm. and fail when it's not going to cost you when fail, when you're not going to have hungry mouths to feed, hmm. right. Fail in that way so that you could say, well, that's not working or that is working or whatever it is. Find opportunities to, to do it on a small scale so that 
you can blow it up on a big scale later. Yeah. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah. That's awesome. And I know for a lot of people, there's, you know, there's just so many options now. I mean, it's, it, it is really incredible. I feel like this day and age in America, I mean, you, you can almost do anything you want. Like you don't even have to have a degree anymore and you right. can do so many things. It's incredible. And with that, I also talked to quite a few people who they feel super overwhelmed by kind of the life options, the job options. Um, So what's kind of your go-to as far as, you know, seeking the Lord and trying to get wise counsel for kind of sifting through all those choices? Yeah, I I think the the phrase we often hear in the business world is that leap of faith. Mm -hmm. And God never called anybody to leap, right? He called people to step, but yeah, not to leap. That's so true. And the only thing to suggest leaping was Satan suggesting to Satan that he leap, right? And <laughs> if you know, if you're really God, then your angels will come and catch you or whatever whatever it was, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so just just taking the next step, right? And if you keep God in front of you, he's not gonna lead you astray. Yeah. Right. The next step is something that you can do in the next 24 hours with God's guidance, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, then you could take that next step and the next step and the next step. It's not a matter of going and taking this huge leap. It's a matter of finding what the next step is, showing how you can be faithful to uh, whatever God is calling you to do. And mm-hmm. then that next step will eventually lead to a significant distance. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think it's so true because... Um, I think so often we get consumed with the big and the bright and the shiny. And if we just take that little, even baby step in front of us, then, you know, God is, God is going to let us know. And I think that's the beautiful thing, obviously, about being right. a close connection with him is that, you know, we have his Holy Spirit. So he is going to prompt us and he is going to be like, Absolutely. Ooh, Mark, not quite what I was thinking, but, you know, and then, right. and then you have an opportunity to course correct because of course, He's a gracious, loving father, and he wants what's best for you. He, you know, he doesn't right. slap your hand and say, "Oh, sorry, you ruined it, bud." Like you're yeah. done. Um, exactly. So exactly. I, I just love that how he really is just so faithful in in those small steps, and I think that's really good, good advice. Well, yes. Mark, thank you seriously so much. I just really, really appreciate you, and I love how you just lead your business, and I know that you lead your people and your family with just integrity and character and grit. So thank you for sharing your story with us. I think it's going to bless a lot of people. Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Fruitful Life podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends and showing it some love on social media. For a newbie show like mine, those reviews are everything. Thank you so much for tuning in. To stay in touch with all things Fruitful Life, you can check out lifeasalowen.com or follow me on Instagram, lifeasalowen.com.